You're listening to the Platte River Bard. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Platte River Bard. This is Chris Berger. And I'm Sherry Berger. And we are here today with Barry Carmen. He is the director and resident dramaturge and director of engagement at the Blue Barn Theater. He is directing their current show, which is in its last um, upcoming last weekend, Heroes of the Fourth Turning by Will Arbery. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Mr. Carmen. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here with y'all. <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time. Yes, absolutely. Uh so you guys are currently in the uh, coming up on the very last weekend of Heroes of the Fourth Turning. Uh, Correct. How, how is it? Uh, how has the run been? Oh, it's been extraordinary. It's it's, it's extraordinary on just the base level of welcoming people back indoors yes. to the theater mm-hmm. again yes. and being able to gather in this way, and especially around this piece, which is so very uh, timely and. Um, uh, you know, instigates conversations that need to be had and are long overdue. So, um, yeah, it's been a it's been a super solid run. Performances are extraordinary. Yeah. Um, the actors are amazing, uh, and this show is uh, uh, we're really proud of it. So, yeah, yeah. It, it does confront a lot of uh, a lot of themes and a lot of uh, issues that are really right up in our face, and we're dealing with currently right now. Um, in, in a lot of our lives and all of our lives and um, as far as the run has been has it um, has it kind of uh, had the kind of effect and started the kind of conversations that, that you were hoping for has it kind of done what you were you were sort of hoping that it was going to do yeah um, you know it's impossible to tell what folks are leaving the theater with and exploring sure. but like anecdotally um, this has been you know uh, I, I've heard it called exhausting in a great way mm. um, the most uncomfortable I've been in a theater in forever <laughs> um, you know I've heard like uh, folks just using it as a catalyst for self-examination of like you know themselves and where they stand on all the myriad issues in the play and then we've been able to have some really fruitful conversations post-show after um each of our shows we hold space for the audience to decompress and talk about what's coming up on them yeah and those are by a facilitator uh and then we've also had a, a, a couple really great panel discussions um uh, one with a couple of social justice advocates and uh, theater artists, and another with uh, um, folks who work in uh, gender and sexuality resource um, advocacy in, uh, at UNO. Um, and those were uh, everything you imagine they might be a way a way to you know frame this contextual out actual um, setting and politics and characters of the play. So we've been able to sort of telescope out and say, because the play doesn't give you that. The play doesn't give you the other side. The play gives you very much uh, the ideologies, the viewpoints, the uh, opinions of this very uh, particular set of social conservatives, social and religious conservatives. So um, we thought it was important to 
bring the conversation, uh, to balance that conversation with these support conversations and also sure. um, quite a lot of program material in, in, in order to, uh, you know, um, let people know what they're walking into, um, give yeah. them a way to process it out, uh, out afterwards, but also provide the lens through which the Blueborn approached this exploration of this culture, which is through a white supremacy lens and through the lens of a exploration of empathy. Mm -hmm. um, what we owe and <laughs> what we owe to the people that we violently disagree with, you know, how we cross that bridge is how we yeah. deal with the atomization of our society and um, our inability to speak to one another um, and, you know, what that means moving forward and at the same time how we fight these very very dangerous um ideas that are at work in our um political social political yeah culture um For sure. that are actually harming uh multiple intersecting uh, communities right uh, including white people mm -hmm. yeah so especially yeah mm -hmm. yeah a lot i mean you know and 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 then at the end of the day, since the play doesn't give you any answers, I think that the biggest takeaway from most people is like, well, what do I do about that? Yeah. What do I do about all of that? Right. Because it's mm -hmm. everything. And what's my next action step, you know, mm -hmm. right. any of, any, on any of these issues? Um, or my complicity on any of these issues? So right. uh, that's been fascinating. So it doesn't leave you... You know, it doesn't leave you necessarily with a skip in your step and joy in your heart, but it does right. sort of present you with the onus and uh, make you aware of your responsibility, um, uh, you know, to the, your fellow humans on the planet, I guess. Right. Yeah. Unless people know, I mean, that, yeah, this isn't some kind of ambush. I mean, mm -hmm. everybody, this is, everybody's here for a specific reason. They know what it is. Yeah, well, yeah. it was based on a book that was, that was called Heroes of the Fourth Turning, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the four... The four turning points are high, awakening, unraveling, and crisis. And they used each of those through, like, the era. So the high was, you know, like the 50s and maybe early 60s. The awakening was some of the civil rights movements from the 60s and 70s. And the unraveling was the culture wars of the 80s and 90s. And now we're at that point for the crisis war, which is where we are now. Or so it's set, it's set at a very particular time. It's set yeah. in 2017, right after the Charlottesville riots. Yeah. Right, right after Steve yes. Bannon got fired from the Trump administration. Right. Right before this incredible eclipse that, uh, you know, crossed <laughs> yeah. the entire North American continent. Yeah. Um, so it's, and then it was produced for the first time just before the pandemic in the fall of 2018, okay. I believe, okay. at Playwright Horizons. Okay. Yeah. So um, it's interesting that it's, you know, uh, and you're right, it's that uh, the whole premise is that we are at a crisis point as a society. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that the generational cycles that you just described can be traced back um all the way back through Western right. civilization, basically. And that's what the authors of the source material book tried to do, to say that, you know, history moves in cycles, which is not a terribly new idea. It's uh, right. an idea as old as Plato, at least, and, and right. cyclical time is how many cultures um, conceive of um, history and time space. So mm -hmm. uh, 
the particular crisis that's coming, according to these authors and mm -hmm. according to the characters in this play, is is now. We're either just about to dip into it, or uh, we are currently living within it and don't have the perspective to realize that that's the case. To realize it's mm -hmm. already here, right? Right. But it's already here that we are like n now is the time where we need to um, <laughs> choose sides and go to our loins for battle and um, vanquish these enemies because we're the heroes. And, um, you know, it, it, the play suggests that it's both uh, conservatives and progressives that are whatever, you know, either or binary divide you want to split people in camps of, who right. feel that they are these heroes and that this is a defining moment, um, you know, for our democracy, for, you know, um, human beings on planet Earth. And if, if, if you have a mind to look that way, then yes, we are absolutely mm -hmm. in the middle of a social um, awakening slash, you know, uh, health crisis slash like, r racial and social justice awakening slash climate crisis slash all of these things. Mm -hmm. And our democracy still very feels very precarious, yes. even even though Trump is not in office anymore, or it still is or if you're on the other side, even though Obama's not on the office anymore, it, yeah. it, it feels like we are in, in this extended crisis point for a mm -hmm. lot of folks. Yeah. Um, or a lot of folks feel that way, and there's not enough of us that feel that way. And mm -hmm. correct these these characters in the play, and perhaps some um, uh, uh, some of us on the progressive side are like still screaming into the wilderness going you know wake up pay attention right just stuff happening and mm -hmm. right. we need right. you right, right. Mm -hmm. um so it's interesting that everything that is prescient about this play coming from like 2018 you know uh yeah it was written before mm -hmm. the pandemic that's what yeah. i was yeah George before the January 6th insurrection. Yes. Right. 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 That's what I was then, kind of wondering because, yeah. you know, it was written and it was done in basically in 2017, but we're, we're, we've come so far already through things. Where, you know, where do yeah. you feel that it ends up now? Where do you feel that we are in, in that process? Do you think we're I any mean, better for it? <laughs> do you think, uh, you personally, do you think we've hit the crisis point? Uh I, I think there's so much worse that could come. Yeah. I, right? Yes, I think you're right. You know, I, I feel like, you know, uh, there's a way of looking at the world around us right now and saying, pandemic, um, you know, uh, <laughs> racial reckoning, climate crisis, these are just the opening shots of, like, uh, a, a, a bigger to-do unless yeah. we come together. Um, and that's why this play is also about empathy and what our responsibilities are toward one another and yes. how can we solve these, solve these, work together on these things without demonization, without dehumanization, without yes. the cost to BIPOC and LGBTQIA2S plus community members, right. right? How can we, how can we take stock and, you know, um, not make this crisis the final crisis yes right yes please yeah to reverse back into that high or whatever not that i subscribe terribly much to this generational theater but that's the dream right sure that somehow all these shocks to our systems 
will force the system to change. So. Right. Well, and I noticed, uh, so this so this is written from the perspective of someone who's liberal but has um, family who is conservative. And I noticed that through some of the um, dialogue that I've read through, it is it really does explain um, their thought process of of where they are and what in what they what they believe and why they believe it. And I thought that was really interesting to to bring to bring that out because I think um, every character in this play kind of comes from a different perspective as far as their support of Trump and can't talk <laughs> conservatism. There you go. <laughs> but you know, why do we get so hurt when someone that we love thinks so differently than we do? And and how do we how do we counter that? Right. Uh, you know, in a big response both from the artists involved in this process and our community members has been like, yeah, I, I know people who hold these views. Um, they're my family. In some cases, they're my friends, um, if I still talk to them, uh, if we haven't gone that far, right? Right. Um, and, you know, one of the things that this play does so well is that it, it highlights the disagreement and incongruency, even among folks that are supposedly like-minded supposedly share a particular political party or religious faith, you know, they are as divided or have different strategies towards creating the change that they want to see in the world as anybody that we know or disagree with. Like, it's just like seeing a mirror image of you and your friends talking politics or culture or art or anything. And one of the things this play does also within that is strip away the myth that the folks on the quote-unquote other side or people that disagree with you are idiots or stupid. These are among the most articulate characters that uh, I've ever seen on a stage in terms of really being able to argue their viewpoints with a depth of intention and critical reflection that we don't even give the beliefs that we hold. Like, I'm not sure yeah. I could win a debate with any of these characters in the play, mm -hmm. right? I'm pretty sure I could choke down. Yeah. It, it's also a little bit of a wake-up call for me, anyway, to better articulate why body autonomy and reproductive rights are important, to better articulate trans issues, LGBTQIA plus issues, BIPOC, social justice issues, and to not let myself off the hook in terms of, well, I live in this echo chamber, <laughs> me and my friends, and the yeah. people I work with, the people I gather with, the people I spend time with, and we're all basically on the same page, no matter how we disagree. And yet, mm -hmm. can I advocate fully for those issues when my audience isn't of a like mind? Mm -hmm. Can I actually make these cases well, without getting angry, without resorting to yeah. attacks on the humanity of the other side or, or whatnot? Right. Is that, am I even able to do that? Right. Right. <clears throat> And I, I think that's part of the problem that people aren't. It, they're we're so polarized. I think we're I think we're even more polarized than we were in a lot of ways in just the the last two years. Uh, it's, we were more polarized than we've ever been in my lifetime. I think so. Yeah. Well, this this is such a needed play. It's like you could probably almost do this play. <laughs> you know a couple times a month even. Uh. <laughs> so you've been with the blue barn for a while you have you have um you have directed some other things do you want to tell us a little bit about how you came to blue barn because you actually came from 
from Georgia, or you went to school in Georgia, in Atlanta, Georgia, at Emory? Yes. I went, I went to, uh, yeah, I went to Emory. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and your degree was in theater studies, so is that a little bit different than, um, than, than theater? Is that more... Um, a little more broad? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, uh, theater programs, uh, you can get a degree in theater or, you know, there's there's performance-focused programs that are like BFAs. Um, uh, our program, uh, it, was, it was interesting in, in the sense that uh, it was both a, um, a it, it was a department in a liberal arts college that was attached to a professional theater in residence at that school, so their focus was not so much preparing us to go out and be professional actors in the world, but preparing us to be dollar artist athletes, right? So there was a heavy focus on uh, theater history and aesthetics and criticism and exposing us to multiple genre styles, periods, and theatrical performance. There's differences there. Tried to round it out and connect it as much as possible in terms of shared coursework with like the English department, the, the history department, philosophy departments, whatever, so that you weren't, you weren't necessarily training to be an actor, although there was that. It was training to get a full appreciation of what theater is what it what it what it has been and what it could be so mm -hmm. you know we did a lot of fun things like build a replica of the old globe theater in our mm. theater and explore renaissance plays for like a year we spent cool. uh, some genre time with the big daddies like restoration comedies Chekhov effect beckett I don't know. It was it was a shockingly amazing program that I didn't expect to find going to what it's basically a pre-med, pre-law focused institution and starting yeah. out as a major and yeah. then just sort of wrong footing my way into this um, yeah. bigger world. So, Sounds fascinating, yeah. actually. Yeah. So, yeah. so how did you end up here in Nebraska from Georgia? <laughs> uh, <laughs> my parents are Benson Bunnies. Um, ah. and uh, my father was in the military so I grew up in Pensacola, Florida mostly that was our favorite duty station and uh, when I went away to school in Atlanta they decided to move back to Omaha to be closer to their extended family uh, as okay. they aged so yeah so so you so it made sense for you to come back here and you've been with Blue Barn since 2002 I started <laughs> one day I, I, <laughs> I saw that Blue Barn was doing Arcadia by Tom Stoppard, which is one of my favorite plays, and I was like, oh, well, you can't do that without me. So <laughs> I made some calls and said, hey, can I be the dramaturg on your production of Arcadia? And delightfully, Houston Walkinshaw, the director of that play, said yes. And I think I was in a show the next year, and then by the following year, they let me start this uh, collaborative ensemble called Witching Hour that did late night ensemble shows at the Blue Barn, original works for about 10 years, Witching Hour lasted, and I was with that for about, with that company for about five years, and then moved back to Atlanta for a while, and then moved back here for a while, and I've been on staff for about the last, I think, four or five years now. So what is coming up for the Blue Barn? I know we've got a Christmas, a another very diehard Christmas. Oh, yes. yes. I guess that we just went up. 
I guess that just went over gangbusters last year. I'm uh, friends or with uh, Leary here before. Uh, Josh, or yeah, or year, year before. before last. There's Excuse that dark me. year. Yes, yes, not the not the year that nothing happened, <laughs> but the year before that. Wait, uh, wait. Yeah, yeah. My buddy uh, Josh was in that, and I guess he's going to be doing it again. So, I guess yes, he is. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just great. Oh, I'd love to see him in that. <laughs> we love Josh, and we hope to get you back in here. Yeah, it's almost the entire cast is returning. Oh, cool. Um, it's crazy. The last time we put this up, it was com the whole run was completely sold out before we even opened, yeah. which you know, never happens. Yeah. Um, actually, it happened for one other show that year for Red Summer, where we sold out before the uh, production opened. But we're, we're delighted to bring it back. It's 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 a. I mean, it's it's hilarious. It's laugh filled. People can just like relax about it and not have to think too hard on. Mm. Well, for example, all the things we're asking them to think about for Heroes of the Fourth Turning, but, you know. Right, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just, it's holiday joy, and yeah. um, it's going to be rad. So that opens November 26th and runs through December 19th. Are you going to be directing that? No, I'm actually AD on that. That's Susan Clement over. I'm assistant okay. directing that. Okay. Uh, it's a remount, right? So we're just basically recreating this experience of two years ago, seeing if we can't remember what we did and all of our <laughs> dance steps and the, how to sing some songs. And um, <laughs> these actors are just going to kill it, and it's going to be amazing. Awesome. Yeah, it's amazing yeah. What, a, what a whole year will do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then after that, you've got um, a, a homegrown one that's written by Bo Phil Berry. Yes. Um, uh, well, before that, we do King Lear. So in oh, the, yeah, uh, in that's right. In March, we'll be doing uh, Shakespeare's most intimate embrace of the heights and depths of human experience. Yeah. Oh, that's um, right. in March, yeah. So that'll be in March. Uh, and uh, we have a lovely director, Jill Anderson, who's a longtime Blue Barner as well, directing that piece. And then, and then yes, we do uh, Buffalo Women, a black cowgirl musical dramedy by Bofield Berry and J. Isaiah Smith. And this is a piece that we workshopped last year in the midst of the pandemic as a part of our Bonfire series. It's just extraordinary. It tells the story of black lives on the frontier in the immediate aftermath of Juneteenth. So oh. when folks finally got around to telling folks in Texas that they were free and had been for a while, I'm sorry, we're just getting yeah. down here to tell you. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then following some these extraordinary lives as they chart new paths for themselves it's based on a huge depth of historical research by the playwright but on real life figures who made their ways in the scene right now unimaginable at least from what yeah. we know of history how much has been hidden from us about history yeah. but incredible black women business owners stagecoach uh drivers buffalo soldiers and it's a rollicking oh, good time it's amazing. uh you know, mm -hmm. filled with song and dance and humor and a little timey-wimey stuff, too. Some anachronism, some just plain fun stuff. It's it's the Wild West, right? It's it's yeah. the Wild West. Like, you've never seen it before. That's mm -hmm. fantastic. Neat. We're so excited about that. And you have some other events that you do outside of your theatrical productions. Do you have any of those? Yeah. Well, Blue Barn thinks of itself as not just a 
theater production company, but also a civic and community space. So more and more, like around every show, in terms of our engagement events, and like even between shows, we want to make ourselves available to the community in new and exciting ways. Like to find ways for us to gather and make the Blue Barn available for gatherings. So, for example, we just hosted um, the Omaha Lit Fest right before Heroes got into full swing, and then we've started this new storytelling series called. Musing. Another local artist named Seth Fox is heading that up. But every quarter, we put out a call for storytellers, and these aren't necessarily actors or seasoned performers. It's more like what you might hear on the Moth Radio Hour, and yeah. you know they they build stories around a particular theme. Our first one just happened a couple of weeks ago. It was about movies and their impact on us. The next one happens in the middle of January, and that one's going to be about stories about the unforeseen consequences or best intentions called it seemed like a good idea at the time <laughs> and so each each quarter there'll be a whole new roster of first-time storytellers or seasoned pros who gather and tell their stories of the course of the evening and these events are free and open to the public sometimes they'll be on our outdoor space sometimes they'll be in the theater depending on the weather but we're really excited about that and the first one just went gangbusters it was it was sold out not mm. the ticket cost anything we, we did ask folks to reserve so yeah um, yeah oh, that's neat that is happening and the other big thing we're doing this year is preparing for our big damn door festival of new works for the american theater that'll kick off next summer but this entire for the next nine months there will be 12 artists in residency at the Blue Barn creating three new works for the American stage. These primarily, each of the projects in some way fosters uh, or highlights America's growing, well, America's journey anyway, uh, if not success quite at equity and inclusion, um, representation, diversity, and social and economic justice. So we have chosen the three projects for that. Um, and uh, we're about to announce them, so I can't quite give them away on this program. But <laughs> so there'll be teams of teams of four artists who will be workshopping, developing these pieces over the course of this next year. And then next summer, we add four more resident artists to bring those shows to life in a festival environment uh, at the end of August, early September. And that's nothing that's been seen in the city thus far. And and mm. it also enables us to support like artists. Uh, over a long period of time with the resources and more importantly like the paycheck to actually produce their best work and bring their full selves to it and uh, each of the three projects has a different focus so one's like a kind of traditional playwright centered project and one is an ensemble project a community centered ensemble project and the other one is a design led project where it's really the designers of the uh, theater experience that take the lead in shaping how the event will play out. It's uh, it's so gratifying to be able to take three wildly different approaches and support 12 incredibly distinct emerging artists um, outside of a traditional production model. Mm -hmm. um, and it's going to be rad. Neat. Yeah. It's going to be. <laughs> And you guys have all cleaned up too on top of the flooding that you had recently. Oh, this, what was is that, the summer? Yes, that was just at the end of the summer. Oh, um, I'm so glad. Yeah, we didn't. To recoup and everything. We didn't take quite as much damage as, as many folks around the, uh, the community, but it was not insignificant. Right, <laughs> exactly. Right. <laughs> it was dirty. It was wet and dirty. Yes. 
but it sounds like you are you guys are back on track and and have things in order for the season and i'm really happy that you're able to 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 do that so yeah it sounds like an amazing season of shows and events you guys got lined up coming up so uh Lots of really interesting ones. Oh, yes. Oh, hopefully we can uh, get back and talk with you folks again here uh, soon about uh, some of these other things because we would love to do that. That would be fantastic. Yes. For sure. Yes. Any old time you want. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, we're, we're vaccinated. We've, we've gone a few places. We're a little bit picky. We've done some mm. podcasts even outside just uh, for people's um, comfort level and ours yeah, as yeah. well. Yeah, we can set up anywhere. <laughs> yeah, as long as we, right. have, uh, as long as we can uh, have one thing plugged in and we, <laughs> we always bring a very long extension cord. So. <laughs> and I'm working on that. I'm going to get one of those uh, we are, things we, for We it. are good to go. Right. So. <laughs> Jerry, right. It's, su it's such a pleasure to, to talk to you. I, I know that I've seen you on Zoom calls in the last year or so as well. <laughs> <laughs> and never got a chance to talk to you, so it's just really nice to be able to sit down and yes. and talk with you about all the work that you're doing and Very and nice. um, really kudos for um, the social justice issues that that the Blue Barn offers. Yeah, I'm 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 uh, really really disappointed I wasn't able to go see uh, the show. It sounds like um, uh, that's a that's a hell of a show to put on. Uh, uh, you, you know what I mean to decide. Yeah, we're gonna do this, and yeah. and and so good for you for doing that. Yeah. Because um, I don't think ever, I I think a lot of theaters would look at that and go, Hey, that's really great. I don't think that's for us. Right. You know what I mean. And good for mm -hmm. you for saying, Yeah, that's but, for us. But it sounds like it's working for you too. I mean, you've just got you're sold out for. Saturday night, but you've got some tickets on Sunday left. So. Yes, we still have some space um, uh, Sunday. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, for us, it's like uh, like centering whiteness as a subject of exploration is anti-racist work. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, this play is actually kind of a tool for white people to explore their own complacency and complicity. And, you know. That's hard. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing to do, and it's a discomforting thing to do, but a necessary thing to do, right? Yes. And also, it's, and and it's an amazing play. Like it's yeah. it's just a really effective, yeah. like wrenching visceral drama. So yeah. nice. That certainly helps. Yeah, um, I think so. And I, I wonder how many people um, who don't want to take a look at this and and do the introspective shadow work with it, if they realize that. It's not very long before we're the we're the minority, and um, how how it, it then it turns into the golden rule, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. How how do you want to be treated? Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Let's let's try mm -hmm. to deal with it sooner rather than later. So yeah. Because so the longer we wait, put to yourself deal with in it, that the position worse now. It gets. <laughs> yes. Think of yourself outside of yourself. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. Soon we'll be a majority minority country, and yeah. that's a that's a glorious day to look forward to. But I will say that we are already a global minority. But BIPOC mm -hmm. folks are the majority of our global population, and yeah. it's just the uh, you know the history of white Western yeah. civilization that is like uh, fought to keep white folks and their priorities on top, and that's. Uh, that's a 2,000-year legacy that we're trying to overcome here. So, mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Good luck to us all. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Good luck to us all. Well, uh, thank you, sir, uh, very much for speaking with us today. Yes, thank you. Um, Yeah, my pleasure. And let me ask you a dumb question, because I have recently come across this. We we, we both have, uh, in terms of like a position or being named at theaters now, the dramaturge. Mm. That's yeah. that's new for me. What is the dramaturge? When you see that in the program, somebody so and so is the dramaturge. What? Sure. Uh, what do they do? Who is that? So it can take like a wide variety of forms. Um, I am a uh, let's see. I'm an institutional dramaturge. So it's production okay. support, but also literary management, uh, assisting in season planning. And the way that I function, it's also very closely related to the engagement work we do. So it's thinking of the, the play holistically and how you can support both the production in terms of resources, resource, uh, research materials, presence in the room, the integration of design elements slash acting style slash director, just making sure that all of those pieces are working together. Uh, in concert with the director at hand. But then it's also, you know, staying abreast of the new play field and seeing what uh, theaters across the country are doing and, you know, being in community with other dramaturgs at other theaters in terms of best practices and protocols as, you know, we all engage with this cultural moment. So it, it, it can be anything from I am the research role in a production. Okay. Uh, it is malleable, but... You're, you, you are assisting the usually a production in some way that is not usually maybe specifically covered by the director or the stage manager, mm-hmm. right. I, I guess, is, 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 is what I you see. could say, yeah. and doing like research and, and other things and assisting Just both of those Just thinking of the play folks. holistically while the, while the director is thinking about like the direction that. on stage. I think that's more, neat. Mainly. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, like, and thinking about it holistically, it's like, how is this play going to land with the community? What kind of mm-hmm. outreach do we need to do? What partners do we need to engage with? Yeah. Can we engage with? What kind of audiences do we want to cultivate for this particular show? Mm-hmm. If it happens to center a particular constituency, we want to make sure those folks are in the room. Uh, how can we, as a theater, if I'm thinking about my role as a resident dramaturg, how can we grow our footprint uh, regionally and nationally? How can we better support our artists? How can we get an increasingly more diverse and inclusive audience base into the theater? How many, how broad a swath of the community can we serve? Mm-hmm. You know, those are all questions that, um, uh, sort of bigger picture questions that yeah. that entails. On a production level, it's like, how do we do justice to this show? And that's what everybody's here for. And no matter what role you play in the production, and uh, if there's not a dramaturg in the room, dramaturgy happens anyway because yeah. dramaturgy is basically just like how this show comes into being and how it best honors the intention of the playwright at the intersection of you know the artistic philosophy of the producing entity, in this case, Blue Barn Theater, and then at the intersection of the community and the particular time we're living in mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so those things those questions either get answered or ignored or answered badly without someone specifically managing it but also every role in the theater is in some part doing dramaturgy so if you're an actor you care take some of those same questions if you're a designer you do as well directors obviously do their own dramaturgy uh, and then uh, the sort of collaborative element is to bring all these uh, dramaturgies together and that's what um, 
theater is about. Like, so yeah. I would say dramaturgs are not the sole arbiter and owner of the dramaturgical function, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Th- thank you for that. Yeah, I, thank I, you. I, I, I've been seeing that pop up lately, and I'm just... God, I, I feel stupid asking, and so I finally, I'm like, oh, just ask. I think it's kind of a newer thing. It, it's newer to me, anyway. Mm-hmm. Now, what what that means, I don't know, but it's newer yeah. to me. So. I can blow your mind a little bit. There's also new play dramaturgs. There's play uh, dramaturgs that just work with playwrights in developing their pieces. Huh. There's dance dramaturgy. Huh. You know, there's oh, yeah. <laughs> community dramaturgy. Yeah. All of these are, like, sort of splintered or focuses within the broader field and if you ever just want to do a deep dive um uh it, it's it's really fascinating like uh yeah that's all that it's, is it's very fascinating yeah 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 fascinating. no i get it yeah yeah well thank you so much for your time we yes. really look forward to seeing these and and working with you more as well so yes thank you so much um for sure uh, yeah absolutely yeah thank you very much once again to barry carmen the current director of uh, the last weekend of Heroes of the Fourth Turning at Blue Barn Theater. Wonderful. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. Thank you for listening and supporting the arts in the Platte River area and beyond. Please subscribe to our podcast so you are sure to catch all of our future episodes and join us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Music for this podcast was used with permission by Screaming Skull Productions. See you next time on the Platte River Bard.